Hey guys, welcome back to the Evolution of Confidence podcast with Mari Juliet. I know I kept you guys hanging for over a month from my last episode, but you guys know I am a real estate broker. That's my full-time job. So that definitely comes first. My clients come first. All of that has to come first before the podcast. But I do always want to provide you guys with value. I have your frequently asked questions here and I've been dying to answer them. And I finally have found some time. So first, I want to preface this episode by saying I don't run ads on this podcast. I'm not, you know, charging for, I don't know. I don't even know how people monetize their podcasts, to be honest. But I, in in replacement of that, am going to be plugging my listings. So bear with me, but I want you guys to know what I have on the market because um, I have a range from 500000 to 3 million. So, and it's all in different places, whether you're looking for good school districts, whether you're looking for something to renovate, whether you're looking for something that's turnkey moving ready, gonna make you money right away, I have it all. So in between these tips, I'm gonna be plugging my listings. So follow along for the Q&A. Let's just get right into it. Number one, how to invest as a beginner and finances. So I'll tell you about my first investment. I came from a family in real estate. So I will say that my family definitely uh, talked about like financial literacy a lot, but I didn't invest until I felt very comfortable in the market that I was investing in. Um, I really looked at location and did my research before choosing the area first and then waiting for the perfect property to come on the market. That's how I recommend that you take your approach, especially right now. Um, During the summer in South Florida, it's always slower. These are always our slowest months. So this is a great time to negotiate with sellers and to try to get a deal in the area of interest that you've been having your eye on. Um, But definitely, definitely location is everything. I bought a duplex. Duplex is a great place to start. There, when I hear that somebody wants to do house hacking or live in one side of the duplex and rent out the other, I'm like, it's like music to my ears. I just think that that is the best investment, especially when you're first starting out. And if you want to not pay rent to a landlord and use that capital to actually not only get the monthly income of the other unit to pay for your mortgage, but also to build equity in the property over time, especially if you're living in the property or you live nearby. It makes it a lot easier for you to make those little repairs, make cosmetic upgrades, and do the things that you need to do to raise the market rent for your investment property. When it comes to multifamily, duplexes, properties that maybe need a little bit of TLC, oftentimes you're going to find that from the initial view, you might look at the cap rate and say, oh my God, this is only like a 5% cap rate. I can get the same thing in the bank. But if you're looking at the rent that the the owner has been charging for 10 years, you know, and they're way under market value, which is very common, you can go into the property, raise the rent to market value. We even kept our tenants and kept them on and just kind of compromised on the monthly income to have good tenants that had been there for eight years. We knew that they were good people. Like that is a huge you know, that's a compromise that a lot of owners make to just not have a headache on their hands. Um, That kind of brings me to Airbnb investing. So obviously Airbnb investing has become very popular over the last few years. Um, When I started in real estate, it was mostly people that had just their own booking platforms for vacation rentals, but it was always very popular in South Florida because we are a destination um, for a lot of people for vacation. So I saw people making a ton of money. That's how I kind of got people to get more comfortable with Airbnb because of the consistency and the income here. Um, But when you're buying into a market where everybody's kind of like on that train, you want to make sure that you're buying something where it's not already at a premium and where you can add equity into the property over time. Or even if you want to do a quick flip, this is the time to do it. I mean, Everybody wants something ready to go. 
back in the days of HGTV where people were flipping houses on TV, got a lot of people in that zone of like recreating the home and doing the work themselves. That has completely shifted with the amount of people that are moving to different states and different areas. The last thing they want to do is buy in an area that they have never even probably been to other than once or twice and then find contractors, go through the permitting process, live somewhere else in the meantime while it's being done or go through that renovation. Most of my buyers from out of state, they don't even want to order the furniture. So everything that you can provide, especially if you're local, I would recommend taking advantage of that, especially if you have a great eye for design. Um, I see a lot of couples that I have that are clients um, where one of them will do a lot of the work to the actual property or they know somebody that can do it and then the other person or both of them have a really good design eye where they can do the work without spending an arm and a leg and they can still make an amazing return because they've created a beautiful product for these clients who are moving from out of state. Are you looking for paradise in South Florida, but you want to create your own masterpiece? I have the perfect property for you. A two-bedroom home that's either a complete remodel or you can tear it down and build, but the location, location, location is what this property serves. You get private beach access. You get high elevation so you don't have to worry about the flooding in the area. You get a property that you can build up to 35 feet and a rooftop terrace to get panoramic views of the Intracoastal, the Hillsborough Inlet, and your private beach. Contact me to find out more about this property. It's listed at 1.15 million and it is a hidden gem. I'm telling you, I used to live in this neighborhood. You go to the beach every day because it's right there. You know, if you can't see it, you're not going to go. Go live in a place where it is so laid back. Everyone's on island time. Your neighbors are chill. Everyone's in a good mood because they have the sea, the salt, and the peace in the air. So if you're interested in this property, reach out via mariejulietre.com or you can always visit the link in my bios, in my Instagram or my TikTok to see more details on this property. Okay, question number two is a little bit more about personal development, is not specific to real estate. How do you promote your self-worth throughout the day? Now, I'm a huge proponent in having your energy match the energy of whatever you're going into. So for example, if I was going into an interview to interview for a job and I was really nervous, I'm going to put on music on the way there that's going to calm me down and put me in a good headspace where I feel like, okay, I know what I have to offer. I would write down beforehand what I have to offer, the skills that I have, and make sure to touch on them during the interview. I would make sure to remember to give eye contact and just have the atmosphere beforehand of a calm space. Same thing about giving, you know, if you're going to go take a test, you don't drink three shots of espresso beforehand because you're going to be like freaking out and so nervous. So, but on the other hand, when I'm going to show a property and I want to get into the mode of let's sell this thing and like, let's make the best use of our time. Let's get the best price for this client. Everything that I do is with a purpose because when you're really trying to focus on your time management, you don't want to waste time. I try to knock a lot of things out in a small amount of time. And when I'm showing a house, I want to be at my best. I want to be at my 120%. So I'm going to be listening to pumped up rap music, pumped up rock, rock music, something that like makes me feel like just the boss. I know that sounds corny, and, but it's so true. The music that I listen to completely dictates how I'm feeling throughout the day and how I'm going to go into different situations. And it sounds really simple because <laughs> you're talking about self-worth, but the lyrics of a lot of these songs are very motivating and it can get you in that headspace of like, I can do anything. All I have to do is work hard and put the effort in and I've got this. And getting into that headspace and coming into something with a lot of positive energy instead of thinking of all the things that could go wrong you go into it like you're prepared like you came with the right energy you're gonna sell the property if anybody's gonna sell it it's gonna be you and giving yourself those pep talks you nobody's gonna do that for you you need to be your best 
cheerleader and you need to know your worth. Knowing your worth comes with keeping promises to not only yourself, but the clients in your life, the people in your life. Being a good mom comes to keeping promises to your kids. Like just keeping promises in general and showing up when you say you're going to show up, you're already ahead of the game. Okay. So remember that you're where you're going for a reason. And if you're in a meeting or you've got been given an opportunity, it's all about showing up as your best self. And the way to do that is to prepare and have knowledge. If you do not prepare with knowledge before you go into a situation where you're gonna need it, of course you're not gonna feel confident or worthy in your abilities because you didn't prepare. Think about the people that are over-preparing, going after the same thing as you. Think about other listing agents. What did they do that you didn't do? What did this uh, you know, person do in your job that got them a raise that you maybe didn't bring to the table. Get real with yourself, and the more real you are with your abilities and what you do bring to the table, the more you can confidently say, point blank, I am the best at this because of X, Y, and Z. Okay, question number three. What should first-time home buyers know? Proof of income, what percentage to put down, appraisals, etc. So when you are working to find a property, remember that the people that are in the profession that you're trying to, you know, have them service you, you want to make sure that those people are doing what's in their job description. An example of that, if you reach out to a realtor and they tell you, you know, you could put this percentage down you can have your appraisal back in this amount of time. Like we have lenders that will do three-day appraisals so you don't have to waive your appraisal. An example is that you always want to also talk to the lender themselves because they're the ones who are going to tell you point blank what the real deal is based on your finances. At the end of the day, a pre-approval letter given to you by a lender that hasn't seen any of your documentation and is just going based off of what you're saying means virtually nothing. That's why you find that people go under contract and then weeks later they can't get approved for the loan because the lender didn't do that due diligence ahead of time or you didn't send your documents in ahead of time. It, the whole process is going to be also based on your ability to provide documentation as soon as possible, provide it with efficiency, and communicate. Your lender and your agent should be communicating all the time. Uh, the reason why I use the lender that I do, and I've used multiple different lenders for my clients and have had trial and error, is communication. There are so many times where a deal goes south because the communication is not strong enough between the lender and the agent. And with the appraisals, you know, if, a, if an agent is not saying once it goes under contract to the lender, you need to order the appraisal yesterday, it's probably not going to get ordered until the week or two weeks before you close. I see it happen every day where the lenders just expect an extension from the seller. And a lot of times the sellers don't want to do that, especially in this market. So remember that when you're choosing an agent, of course, they're going to be able to answer basic questions for you on you know, what they're seeing people putting down but and interest rates, but you're really going to get the real deal if you talk to the lender directly, preferably someone that the agent has already worked with so then they can work together. Another thing is that when you're buying out of state, a lot of the sellers do prefer that you use a lender that's in state. Um, so that they are familiar with them. They might want to have the other agent talk to them. Uh, I find that all the time. So having a really good team for your first purchase is so important. And I can't tell you the amount of people that have said to me, I decided to go buy a for sale by owner without an agent. And it was the worst thing I ever did because I didn't know what I was doing. I made a lot of mistakes. The inspection report came back and I didn't know how to read it. Things like that, that had you hired an agent, that would have gone a lot more smoothly if your agent is doing a good job. Um, but still, you wanna be educated in the area that you're purchasing in. Don't let the finishes of a home outshine the location and mess with your mind. 
Because at the end of the day, even if it's a primary residence for you and it's your first time buying, you want to look at it as an investment. How can you gain equity in this property and make your money work for you? Wouldn't you rather be paying a mortgage every month knowing that you're going to get it on the back end and get more money on the back end with every cent that you put into the property rather than buying something that's over-improved for the area and then seeing that decline over time because the finishes are not as new as they were when you bought the property. I see it all the time. People want quick money when they're renting something out, which is totally understandable, especially for 1031 exchanges, for people that just wanna invest and put their money somewhere. But especially if you're a first time home buyer, take this opportunity to put some sweat equity into the property so that you can see the appreciation over time. Speaking of primary residences, if you are looking for a location for your family and your focus is mainly on good schools, safety, and being in a quiet neighborhood where your kids can actually run around, then you need to check out one of my newest listings. It's 1880 Meadows Drive in Davie, Florida. Seven bedrooms, guys. Seven bedrooms, six bathrooms. It's all on one story. It's actually the largest one-story model in the neighborhood and the schools are unbelievable nine out of ten ten out of ten i didn't see any schools under that and it is an incredible neighborhood whenever i go there i always check out a new restaurant they have amazing food they have amazing amenities for kids so many parks if you're looking for a neighborhood that is central to for lauderdale it's about 10 minutes from the Fort Lauderdale Airport. It's about 15 minutes from the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, the new Guitar Hotel. It's 15 minutes from the ocean. It is legitimately the best of all the worlds. And you can actually get to Miami from there in about 30 minutes. It's very, very quick. What I love about living in Broward County is that you're smack in the middle of Miami and Boca Raton slash Palm Beach. So you really have, you are a hop, skip, and a jump away from kind of everything. Nothing's out of a 45-minute drive from you um, unless you're trying to go up the state. But in South Florida, Broward is an amazing option for families and for people who want to really explore the lifestyle here. This one is a fantastic question, and I get it a lot. Number four is how do you balance your work life <clears throat> which I, I talk about frequently, but I will address that. But also, how do you get your partner to understand the value of your place in your work? So when it comes to work-life balance, I have really gotten strict about my family time being family time and my work time being work time. In the beginning of my career in real estate, I didn't have kids. <laughs> you know, I had my husband, but we were, he was my boyfriend at the time. And I had a lot more time flexibility, but I definitely did not have any boundaries. I had a huge issue with setting boundaries. I would go show a house the second somebody called, like at the drop of a hat at any time of day. I wouldn't even think of like the logic of the situation. And I will say I did a lot of sales that way, but I had no boundaries with clients. So the amount of clients that thought it was fine to call me at 11, 12 o'clock at night was endless. And it was completely my fault for not setting those boundaries. Now, in, in retrospect, I'm like, yes, boundaries are so important. But at the time, I did not really see it that way. I was in my grind mode of I need to make money and I have to make this work. So I will do anything to make a deal happen. And I still do operate that way. I truly will not turn down showings ever in my entire career. I will make it happen, but within reason. I'm not gonna now answer a call at 11 o'clock at night when I know it's not something urgent and it's just somebody wanting to chat about the market. Um, so kind of setting boundaries for yourself. And then when it comes to your partner understanding the value place in your work. now. A lot of this is going to come down to the partner that you choose to spend your life with and your time with. Not everybody is going to be cool with somebody that works 24-7 and works all the time. I happen to be married to somebody that owns their own business. He understands 
you know, working a lot and he definitely works, you know, he works a nine to five schedule. So he doesn't have that kind of boundary issue with clients like I do, but he understands the importance of being able to have a career and make money. And he does not ever, you know, put me in a position where I feel like my time is better spent doing something else because he knows how important my work life is to me. And he knows how much value that I add to my career. So I think the the biggest thing is just getting somebody who's kind of on that same wavelength where their goals are, you know, they don't have to be the same. I would say I am definitely, definitely way more goal-oriented than my husband is. My husband is is more, you know, works day-to-day. He doesn't make a big deal of it. He just does what he has to do and does it the right way. I am more of like, I'm shooting for the stars every day. I have set goals in mind. I know how much I want to close every year and I will do anything to get that done. Um, But he does understand that mindset. And I cannot tell you the amount of times throughout opening my business in the last year, I have come to him for advice because not many people understand the issues that I'm dealing with as a, as a boss, like as a, somebody with employees. Having employees is 100% the hardest part of my job. And he understands that because he owns a business and he has employees and he deals with the same thing. So the comfort that I have in that is such a blessing because I, if I did not, I don't know that I would still have a business. It's very difficult, especially on your mindset and just feeling like you're throwing shit at the wall 24-7 and and hiring people and it doesn't work out and you put all this time in and money and and feeling like people, nobody's going to feel bad for the business owner at the end of the day. Nobody feels bad for the entrepreneur. Nobody feels bad for the person that's grinding it out because Typically, they are making money, but there are a lot of things that come with that where it's extremely stressful and everything falls on your shoulders and you can't just clock out and go on vacation and turn your brain off, you know? So getting to to be married to somebody that understands that, I find that it's probably rare, but I don't think it's unheard of. I think it's just having those conversations and having those boundaries Now, you know, even yesterday I said, I'm going back to the rule of when I come home and you come home, we don't talk about work once we're home with with our son. It's family time. We don't have to talk about work during those hours. It is so easy to fall out of that if you are not on top of it because we were doing really well with that. And then I remember like the day I started talking about some issue with work and I was like, I just need to vent for a second. And then it snowballs. And then you're talking about it every, excuse me, you're talking about it every day. And then it comes up all the time and it becomes a bigger issue than it was in the first place. And then you're getting irritated with each other. So just understand that you do have to lay that framework with your partner. But if you're with someone who's genuinely supportive of you and genuinely cares about your goals and dreams and aspirations, they should be generally pretty understanding that you're going to be putting in extra hours at work. There are definitely many weekends where I'm like, I have to finish this presentation for the team. I just need to get this done. And I feel like he just understands that I'm not going to be able to get something out of my head until I just get the task done. And that's the best advice that I can give is instead of ruminating on things a lot and making things a bigger issue than they are, especially when you're talking and venting about work with your partner, just go to the computer and get it done and go on with your life. It's the simplest tip, but it is the best tip and it's something I always revert back to. Okay, to the next tip, number six, tips on getting outside of your comfort zone. So the only way to get outside of your comfort zone is to literally get outside and start doing things outside and setting up meetings and doing things that you wouldn't normally do, changing your atmosphere if you need to. A lot of us have become accustomed to working from home, especially if you're in real estate. 
but it can be definitely draining and uninspiring to work in the same atmosphere all the time. I love transferring my office to outside. Sometimes I'll go and work at the park. Sometimes I'll go and work in my car at the beach, just looking at the sand. Like you do not have to work in an office for a lot of these jobs that people are doing now. So use that to your advantage. We used to have to work in an office. And now if you're in the position where you don't have to, use it to your advantage. Go do your calls at a smoothie place. Go drive around. Like I love driving. I love listening to music while I drive. I love doing my calls when I drive. Driving is one of my favorite things. So even if you're doing something that's maybe outside of your comfort zone, make the rest of what's surrounding what you're doing comfortable for you and enjoyable for you. At the end of the day, you cannot dedicate your entire life to a career that you are not somewhat finding joy in day to day. Not everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows. There are many days where I'm like, what the hell am I even doing? Like (laughs) where I'm just hitting, like I said, that brick wall. But I add really nice things, simple things throughout the day that just keep my business sustainable. Like I'm always going to get my coffee that I love. I'm always going to get my green juice that I love. And that's a luxury, but it's a luxury that I've earned. So I'm not going to sacrifice that to save a couple bucks because it helps my quality of life day to day. If I have to work every weekend, how do I prepare on a weekend day for work? Instead of getting in the mindset of, oh my God, I have to work on a Saturday, I have to work on a Sunday. Like, for instance, I have an open house this Sunday at 1880 Meadows. See you there. Um, But... (laughs) I know if I don't have my ritual of like getting my coffee and getting my little snack on the way, I'm going to be in a bad mood. I need to have those things to just make it an enjoyable experience. So when you're going outside your comfort zone, I can't tell you, I still get so nervous showing properties to buyers. I don't really get nervous at listings, but showing properties to buyers, just the preparation, being like, do I... Do I know how to open all the doors? <laughs> Am I going to say something stupid? Like, you know, I, those things always go through my mind and I get very nervous. But now it's kind of more like a butterflies feeling where I'm excited. And it, if something makes you nervous, it means that you're doing something in the right direction typically. Where it's like, this is outside of my comfort zone. This is something that not everybody can do. I could just sit in my bed and not do this thing. But it feels good to push myself and to get myself to do it because then once you're done, you have that accomplishment, you've learned. Anything that you do in this life, whether it's making you money or not, is an opportunity to learn. And even looking back at the last year of my business, yes, we've grown exponentially in capital and it's been very successful, but the learning experiences I'm going through are what keep me in the game when times are really, really hard and really stressful because money is not really what's going to keep you in it. If it's, you know, that's where that shiny object syndrome comes in, where it's like, well, I could do something else and make this amount of money and maybe be happier. But it's really the structure that you're putting in day to day that's what's going to make you happy. It's going to the gym in the morning. It's keeping that promise to yourself. It's setting your day up so that you don't just have one thing to do throughout the day so that you have a great schedule that you can look forward to scheduling is something that i've really gotten into and it is vital especially when you have like an adhd kind of brain and you're kind of hyperactive like a schedule can actually create so much peace in your life and get you to a place where you have less anxiety about what you're doing because you know what you're headed into The next tip relates to confidence, which goes with our Evolution of Confidence podcast. But first, I'm going to tell you how confident I am that you're going to love my listing on 3221 Canal Drive in Pompano Beach. It is is a a one-of-a-kind property for sure, and here's why. 
I grew up in South Florida, so I've lived here my whole life. I know it's on the market. I know it's available, okay? I still, no matter how much money I make, I do not want to live on the water personally because A, I don't think I'll ever own a boat, and two, and B, I like my privacy. Like, I love living in a property where you can walk around naked if you want to, you can, you know, read outside and you don't feel like somebody's overlooking, looking over your shoulder. Like, I like privacy and I value privacy. So this property, it not only has 70 feet of ocean access waterfront. Now, a lot of people from out of state are like, what does that mean, Mari? It means that you don't have any fixed bridges. You can have a super tall boat and it doesn't matter because when you go out to the ocean, there's a drawbridge there. There's no fixed bridges. This property is about a five minute, not even, like a three minute boat ride to the inlet, right out to the ocean. So if you're a fisherman, this house is perfect for you. It is four bedrooms and three full bathrooms. Completely renovated, was just remodeled. The whole second story is a master suite where you not only have a huge balcony overlooking your waterfront, you also have a balcony in the back where you can sip your coffee and look at your private backyard with your pool, your hot tub, your turf. It's moving ready, it's ready for you. If you are looking for a luxury Airbnb, for a luxury vacation home, this is your answer and here's why. Even if you're not a boater, you can very easily rent this, this dock space out for $2,000 to $2,500 a month to supplement the income that you're getting from the property itself. Not only can you do that, but one of the biggest caveats to placing a boat behind someone's house instead of a marina is that you have to go through their property to get to the boat. 3221 Canal Drive, they don't even have to go through your backyard. It's across from the house, right across the street. It's right there. All they have to do is park, jump in their boat. They're out of your hair and they're out of your guest's hair. So definitely contact me about that. Remember, you can contact me via marijulietari.com or you can visit the links in my bio to get more information on this beachside property, which I forgot to tell you, oh my God, is two steps from the ocean. It's right across from A1A. So when I tell you it's two steps, I'm being dead serious. It has beach access. So it has waterfront, beach access, four bedrooms, three bathrooms, private backyard. What more can you need? Okay, okay, I know I promised a tip about confidence. So confidence when you don't know all the answers yet. Somebody's asking, how do you have confidence when you don't have all the knowledge in your belt, here's what you do. This is a tangible tip I wanna give you guys. And one of the reasons why I love listening to podcasts is I get like a little tangible tip, hopefully, every time I listen, that I can take with me into my week. So this is the one I want you to take. Write down the five things that you already bring to the table. No matter what career you're in, no matter what you need that confidence for, even if it's for dating, Write down five things that you bring to the table. Here's an example. I'm very outgoing. I am on point. Like I have a sense of urgency. This is talking about careers. I'm outgoing. I have a sense of urgency. I have energy. I can get the job done and I want to get the job done. I have a big sphere of influence. I'm friendly to people that has created a great sphere of influence for me. That's a value that I can provide to people when I'm selling their property. And number five, I am ethical. I'm genuine. I just want to genuinely help the clients that I'm with and that I'm working with. You can do the same thing with legitimately anything. And here's why you want to do this. If you write down on paper and you can actually visualize why these traits help you in whatever situation you're going into, there's your confidence, right? Like you're already ahead of the game. You have that confidence because you know you're not sitting there worrying, oh my God, am I too young? Are they going to take me seriously? I'm a woman. I'm this. I'm that. I'm not like, of course, factually speaking and historically speaking, of course, women have had setbacks. Of course, you get setbacks sometimes because you're young. 
but there's also a ton of people that will give you opportunities because you're young. There's also a ton of people that want to work with a, with a mom or work with a woman because of, you know, their own, maybe they're a woman, maybe they feel more comfortable. Like don't even think about these things because society and the media and all of this, like it is so easy to get wrapped up in the day to day of just stuff every single day telling you that you are at a loss, that you are at a disadvantage based on various factors, based on you comparing yourself, based on you thinking that you don't have the tools already in your tool belt to achieve what you want to achieve. And I'm telling you, even the people at the very top that make the most money I've ever seen in my life, still a regular person, still a regular schmegular old person and they have the same insecurities as you in other areas. They have the same stressors. They're thinking about a million different things. They're not thinking about your insecurities unless you're pointing them out point blank. So having confidence is a lot of the times when they say fake it till you make it. Now, while I'm saying this and while I'm on that subject, you're saying you don't have the knowledge yet. Why don't you have the knowledge yet? How come you haven't done some research? What do you think that you need to do before doing that research on your field? Your job, like I'm relating everything to real estate because that's what I do. You don't get your license and automatically get a stamp of you are knowledgeable in real estate. No, no, no. The antithesis of that, which is the bar for realtors is set underground you legitimately just have to take an exam that basically has nothing to do with what you do day to day in the field to qualify to be a realtor. So think about all the people that just get their license and they don't do any extra research. They don't try to obtain any extra knowledge. There are so many resources that people just don't utilize. Like going to the board, there's classes on how to do all these things. People don't want to do it. And when I say people, it's like 85, 90% of people. I know that when I'm hiring agents, one out of 10 is typically the ratio of people that are going to go the extra mile and do the research and teach themselves and use the tools to their advantage. I can give all the tools in the world if anything I've learned in this last year, if I can give I can give all the tools in the world on a silver platter, it comes down to the person of whether they're going to take those tools and run with it or they're going to continue to say, I don't have enough training. I, I feel like the reason why it didn't work out for me is because of this, that, and the other thing. It didn't work out because you didn't put the effort in, point blank, because there's somebody working harder than you that did do their research, that does go to the city on a regular basis, that does have their market knowledge down, that does preview properties all the time and gets in the field. You can't learn what you need to learn to be an amazing agent if you're not in the field. So if you're sitting there behind your computer clicking on the MLS all day, you're not gonna be the best agent for your client. You're not gonna be as knowledgeable as you should be because you're not actively in the field. And that's just the honest truth. If you have confidence and the confidence gets you places, but once you're at that meeting or you're at that showing or you're at that place and you've gotten face to face with somebody based on your confidence, but you don't have anything to back up what you're saying, embarrassing. (laughs) You don't want to be in that spot. And that is like, there's nothing that's going to make your confidence go down more than achieving like what you put on your bucket list or what you put on your vision board and then once you get there you don't you didn't do the preparation you don't have the knowledge to show up the way that you want to show up and that is a huge key to all of this you can manifest the life of your dreams you can write down everything you want to write down and it works trust me it works when i look back at my journals and what i've written down versus what i've achieved it's spot on like to the number spot on And every time I write something down, it's more than I think I can achieve, but I have confidence in myself now to know that as long as I'm putting in the work every day and I'm doing what I need to do, I'm, my confidence is there. 
My confidence is very, very high when it comes to my career because I've done that over time and it's the consistency. And the consistency is everything when it comes to growing a following, when it comes to growing your real estate clientele, when it comes to, you know, just being an asset in your company. It's all consistency. You can't do something once and expect this amazing result. So keep consistent, focus on your knowledge, but also focus on the things that you already bring to the table to make it just a little bit easier on yourself. Okay, so I like this question. How to negotiate with other brokers and dealing with crazies? So everybody's a little crazy, you know, so just take it out with a grain of salt. Also remember that with real estate deals, it's an extremely stressful situation when something goes under contract up until it closes. Everybody's like this, like, <gasps> like is it going to close, like freaking out. So just remembering that the context of the situation is not always going to be reflective of somebody's personality and somebody's true self, especially when it comes to dealing with clients. You just have to be really understanding of their situation and buying or selling a house is a huge deal for somebody. And some agents don't take that into account and they're like, oh, well, it's my time and blah, blah, blah. And they're just thinking about their time that they're putting into it. When in reality, you should be thinking about how the magnitude of your job and how you're supposed to be the peacekeeper among your clients whether you're dealing with the buyer and seller, whether you're dealing with other brokers, you don't want to be the reason why a deal is more stressful, which I see a lot of the times with agent on agent interaction or broker on broker interaction where there's just egos involved and there's things that come up that aren't really essential to the deal. They don't even apply to the deal. So for instance, when I first started, a lot of broke or other agents would be like, well, I've been doing this for 30 years or I close this much, so you should listen to me. And I'm just like, point blank, that doesn't intimidate me. This is about the deal, the facts of the deal, the negotiation of the deal. It has nothing to do with your track record, has nothing to do with my experience in the business. I'm not even going to bring that up in conversation. It's irrelevant. Uh, let's just talk about the facts of the deal and how we can make the deal either work if it works for the for, in the best interest of your client or if it doesn't. But always remember, I'm serving my client. I'm looking for what's in the best interest of my client. How do I achieve that without showing so much emotion, especially with women? And obviously, I'm a woman, so I can say that. We are very emotional people, and I'm five months pregnant, so I have to really reel it in when my emotions are getting the best of me. I'm not personally the most emotional person on earth, um, but I have had to go through some difficult deals um, to learn, and don't expect to like know all of this on the first deal. You know, you're going to learn with every single deal that you do. It is a learning experience, but always just keeping cool and being the most monotone person in the room <laughs> is oftentimes uh, the best approach. Because if you start showing your emotions, I'm telling you, they're going to call you emotional immediately. And even if it's something, even if you're in the right completely and it's something totally valid and all you did was, you know, like raise your voice a little bit or something like that, they're going to call you emotional and they're not going to think that you're professional enough to get the job done. So don't play off of other brokers or other agents trying to get you to get your emotions involved and get your ego involved. You're in control. So you control the situation no matter how much experience that person has. If they're acting out and they're acting like an idiot, point blank, that's what they're doing. And you can call them out for that and say, listen, I'm not playing a game. I'm here to do what's in the best interest for my client, and I hope you're doing the same. So let's do that. And typically, when you just don't react to people, again, if somebody says, well, I've closed 150 million. Okay, are you done? Now let's talk about the deal. That's really all you have to do in that situation. And you guys know I'm a fan of the deadpan stare. So if you're in person with somebody 
just give the deadpan stare of what you're saying is absolutely irrelevant, so it doesn't even warrant a response. So you just look at them dead in the face. The longer the pause, the better, because it makes people uncomfortable. Also, not talking too much in negotiation. Say your piece and then shut up. (laughs) And then don't say anything, because the person who talks first or shows their cards first is usually the person that's not winning in that negotiation. Introducing the deal of the season. I have a brand new listing on the market and you're gonna love it and here's why. Whether you're an investor or you're moving there full time, this property is gold. It is 500,000, it is in Lighthouse Point, which is a very prestigious neighborhood, very difficult to buy in that price range in Lighthouse Point because you're so close to the water. It's a great location, great for families. They even have their own police department so you can feel very safe in this neighborhood. This property is move-in ready, it is perfect, it is adorable, the kitchen's all remodeled, the bathroom's upstairs, the primary bedroom's bathroom is beautiful. It's a double vanity, double shower head for 500,000. You don't come across this every day, ever. So look into this property on the links in my bio. It is amazing, it's turnkey, ready to go, and listen to the best part. Typically, when you're buying in an association, like a condo or a townhome, you have to wait you know, a year or two before you ever rent out the property. This property can be rented out as soon as you close, right away. Rent it out for a year, get that income, and get a property in an amazing neighborhood that will only appreciate in value. New agent don'ts. This is a great one. I think I can make a whole episode on this, but I'm just going to touch on a few don'ts that I see when I'm interviewing agents um, and kind of mistakes that I see. Number one, do not expect to have the lifestyle that you're seeing on Million Dollar Listing, on Selling Sunset, on TikTok, on Instagram. It is not the same thing. Real estate is a very fun career, 100%. And like I said, if you build amazing things around your day, it'll make it a sustainable career for you. But understand that the agents that are going to do really well are typically in it for the long game. They understand that it might take you three, four months for a deal to close. It might take you a long time to get a buyer to finally find a property that they love. And your job, your job is to take them to every property they want to see. Your job is not to show them the least amount of properties possible to get your check as quickly as possible. A lot of agents get into it for that reason. The amount of times that I do a TikTok live and somebody says, oh, how do I get listings right after getting getting licensed um, that are million and up? I only want to deal with million and up. Or I had a buyer taking me around for three months and never bought. Or... Um, you know, how do I make a quick 10K when I first start out? This is not the career for you if those are the questions that you're asking. Right off the bat, if somebody asked me that in an interview, I'd be like, here's the door, goodbye. Because this is a career that will take you through so many ups and downs. There will be times when you have so much under contract and none of them close. It means nothing unless the ink is dried on the paper. So understand to not have this expectation that you're going to get into it and start printing money. And you might. And maybe you say, Mari, I am the best and I'm going to get my license and I'm going to close $4 million in three months like my top agent right now. You never know. But realistically, things happen. And a lot of things are out of your control in real estate. If something goes under contract and the inspection period is terrible, it's not a good investment, you're not gonna force your client to buy that property. What you need to do is what's in the best interest for your client. And a lot of times that's not what's in the best interest for you, to be honest. Um, You should be exhausting all options to get your your client the best deal on the buy side or the best deal on the sell side as far as getting the best price. Um, Another agent don't is do not ever tell a client that you have, you know, 50 other people you're working with 
and that you don't have time for them or don't ever give them the the feeling that you don't have time for them because everyone wants to feel like a priority. And just think about when you're hiring people to do work for yourself, you want to feel like a priority and like they're putting their all into your into you and you're paying them for that. So understand that people are going to have high standards and instead of saying, oh, they want too much from me, understand their point of view and that that's your job is to create a quality experience for them and provide amazing service. Another agent don't is don't go into real estate just because you like pretty houses. (laughs) That is something I hear a lot where people are just like, well, I just love homes And I love homes too. And that's one of the things I honestly said, that was one of the perks, but it wasn't the only thing that brought me to this career. I love the autonomy of real estate. I love that I'm rewarded for being a self-starter. I love that in the morning when I'm like, how do I sell these listings? I have a game plan and I create a custom marketing plan for my clients and I love going the extra mile. And that's not for everyone. Um, but if you want to be a top agent and you want to stand out among the competition, those are the things that you have to do and you do have to go the extra mile, even if you're not even paid for it in the end, just to create your reputation so that you keep that standard throughout your career and keep that longevity. Also, another don't is don't think that you're the only person going through the problems that you're going through. When you have slow times, when you have five deals fall through at once, when you have a best friend that has been looking at houses with you for two months and they end up buying something on their own, it happens to everyone, no matter whether they've been in the industry for a month or 10 years. These same issues come up and it's the way that you handle them. And it's not easy, but you have to grow a thick skin to where the rejection doesn't bother you, where the deals falling through doesn't bother you because you have enough business in the air to take care of it and pay your bills and survive. Um, But holding on to every single deal and making every single deal like the end-all be-all is probably the worst place that you can put yourself in. That's gonna lower your confidence. That's gonna lower your confidence in your abilities. And it's gonna lower your income because at the end of the day, volume is what's going to bring you a sustainable career. Even if you have a $4 million deal under contract, that could go south tomorrow for a numerous, you know, myriad of reasons. So create stability in your career by increasing your sphere of influence and providing amazing service to your clients. That's really like when, you know, you guys see me on social media a lot and doing my marketing there and, and, you know, doing my dances and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, my old school principles of how I do business are what keep people working with me. It's giving them respect. It's showing up. It's going the extra mile. It's doing the extra thing that is maybe not in my job description. It's being a kind person and understanding to them. It's all of those things. So understand that who you are as a person is going to show throughout the deal and it's going to be the make or break of whether that client buys five properties with you or one and never uses you again. I want to do one more plug and it's for one of my agent's listings. She actually just came on and she's an agent from Stewart and that's an area that we cover. We cover Miami, Broward County, Palm Beach County, including Stewart and Jupiter And this property is so cool. Like, I'm so surprised that it hasn't been scooped up yet because it is the epitome of something that you could go in, do some cosmetic work, and you have a gorgeous, beautiful, amazing home on a huge, huge piece of land. Um, It even has a drive-up basement. And if you are new to Florida, we do not have basements here because of the sea level. So It is really a cool, fantastic, amazing property, and it's in Rocky Point, which is a very desirable neighborhood in Stewart. I just want to throw that little, that one out there, see if it tickles you a feather. If you've been looking into Stewart, I know a lot of people are looking there. That's a great find. Contact me for that one as well. Last but not least, how do you deal with entrepreneur frustration? 
Now I've kind of covered like the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur in real estate, but just in general, transitioning from an agent to a broker, I have learned so much in the past year in hyperspeed time because my my business grew faster than the structure that I had in place. Um, not even a year ago, I was still writing every single client's information on little pieces of paper that I would cut into rectangles to put what they were looking for, their name, their budget, all those things. And that's how I would keep track of my clients. But once it grew from, you know, 100 clients to 400 clients to 4,000 clients, I couldn't handle it all on my own and keep the same customer service. Because again, no matter what, I want every client to feel like a number one priority. So my standards that I set for myself, I'm not lowering them, not because of me, because of my clients. I'm not gonna have other agents provide subpar service to my clients and be able to sleep at night. So being an entrepreneur and growing a business that way, you know, a lot of people will look at that and say, oh my God, well, you have so many clients, you're so lucky. Um, you know, you have, you have an advantage. And of course, in a lot of ways I, I do, but to build structure around something that's growing at such a rapid rate and has so many fires to put out and different hats that I wear, hiring agents, um, hiring employees, dealing with you know my day-to-day with my regular clients with listings it's a lot of different hats and creating that structure is not as easy as just hiring staff and calling it a day because that's also trial and error um any entrepreneur right now is feeling the effects of the last couple of years giving a lot of employees the idea of oh you can work from home you can kind of like chill and you know do what you want and it's all about the employees peace of mind and no emphasis is ever on the entrepreneur's peace of mind and i think that that's highly unfair i think there's a huge generalization when it comes to the way that employees are treated i've been an employee at several different companies before there are com- uh, you know employees that are treated exactly the same but one is complaining 10 times more than the next person. That's a personality trait, that's a habit, that's a product of being around other employees that are toxic. There's a lot of factors that go into it, which is why even if somebody's a top producer, but they have a toxic uh, you know, attitude and they're not some, it's not somebody I would wanna hang out with, I'm not gonna hire that person because it's tainting the rest of the business. Um, you know, dealing with the ins and outs of being an entrepreneur, I I would say the biggest, the biggest test of your confidence is in the times, which is a lot of the time where you're like, I don't have a manual for this. Like I don't have framework that just plopped into my lap. Like I have to build this framework and I have to do it quickly. Time is of the essence, especially in what I do, the market changes. You know, I have to like make sure that I know what's going on with the market and change according to that. Um, But I would say hiring is definitely the hardest thing. And it's something that I'm still learning, you know, every day. It's trial and error. You could hire somebody that says that they're amazing and that the sun shines out of their ass. But if they come to work, with a bad attitude because there's too much work ahead of them, it's frustrating because it's like, as an entrepreneur, you know how to do those jobs because you did them. Uh, If you're starting a business, you most likely have done the jobs that you're hiring for yourself and have run the business yourself for as long as humanly possible until you had to hire people. So when you get that pushback, of you know the five tasks you gave me are too much it's like how the hell is that even possible when i'm doing a million different things taking care of a a child all these things but at the end of the day that mindset of well i'm doing this well i'm doing this they don't care they care about 
making the money. They hopefully care about about putting, you know, value into your company and not just clocking in the time um, to grow because that you need somebody who's on the same page. But at the end of the day, you are gonna think that they care about your point of view and your day to day. Nine times out of ten, they don't. And every time. I'm going through a hiring process or firing process, I learn more about that. And I used to have a very naive view of people in general. Like I just was friends with everybody. I thought everybody had great intentions all the time. I thought everybody was, you know, there's good in everybody. And that, and that I do still believe that that's true, but not for every position. Not every person would be a great realtor. Not every person that you see value in is going to live up to your expectations and if you are an entrepreneur and you do have that type a mindset and you are very hard on yourself and then you expect the people that work for you to be at that same level you're going to be sorely mistaken because that's not typically the case um i wish i can say something more optimistic about that but but i have definitely like Again, this is a lot of females listen to this podcast, so I know that I'm not the only one that feels this way where you want to be a sweet person to everybody and just be the person that you naturally are. But the armor that you have to grow in doing this and running your own business has to be so thick and your skin has to be so thick that you're when you're offering everything in your body to these people and and saying I'm giving you all the tools and I'm doing this and I'm providing leads and I'm and I'm you know here for you and even when I'm not feeling good I'm here for you and all this stuff it doesn't matter you can literally exhaust all of your options doesn't mean that that person is going to exhaust all their options for you so don't expect things in return really don't expect anything it's I think it's better for your mindset to have a lower expectation and be surprised when someone does outperform what you expected. I'm trying to work on that myself, so it's not something that I've mastered, but seeing the best in people is an amazing trait and seeing someone's values, I think is an amazing trait. It's something that I pride myself on, but also use judgment and use your gut. I can't believe how many times I've not listened to my gut and let it go on for months. When I know deep down what the core issues are and whether somebody's right for the position or not, but I just let it go because, you know, you feel bad or they have kids and you want to, you know, support them and all these things that people don't really talk about because entrepreneurs or business owners are seen as like the corrupt people that don't care about anybody else. But in reality, most people care about the well-being of their employees and their day-to-day lives, and they understand that they're providing, they're providing, you know, their income. So it's a lot of pressure to to be responsible for somebody's income. And all I can say is that if you're an employee, looking at everything through the glass of my boss doesn't have my best interests at heart, and and they're just using it's 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 not always the case and a lot of times it's not the case and a lot of times they just want you to be on the same page and respect them like like they're respecting you by giving them your time um there's a very big narrative of you know uh find a mentor and find somebody that you can shadow and find somebody you can learn from that's great but if you're not providing that person value you're literally using them and at the end of the day, people's time is very valuable, especially when they're in those positions of running a company. Every minute can be spent on something that could be more capital for their business, that could help their clients more, and that can grow them personally. And every minute that you take from them, you should be giving value back. Um, and that's just what I think should be more of an open conversation with employers and employees as a whole so it's not a battle against the the boss and the employee. I think eventually it'll get to to a more understanding point, but right now, you know, this is a podcast for for everybody to gain confidence and gain gain support, but I do really want to be like, you know, 
a positive influence for people that are going through the frustrations of being an entrepreneur because it's not easy and there's not a lot of resources. And if you don't have somebody to vent to, it is extremely hard (laughs) and not relating to somebody. I mean, I listened to a podcast the other day and it was this guy that was like so straight to the point. His name's Andy Frisella. And I don't know his political views. I don't know any of that. I just started listening to him. So don't attack me. But the way that he was so straight and to the point with like no bullshit, I was like, (sighs) like it was so nice to just hear somebody flat out say, this is the way it is. This is how it goes, and this is what you have to do to get to this point. That's what I'm trying to communicate with you guys here. I'm a pretty tough love person, and I try to just give you guys tangible tools that you can actually take with you instead of sugarcoating an industry that's been heavily sugarcoated. <laughs> so understand nothing that what I'm saying you know, is a make or break of your own career. Take what resonates with you. Leave what doesn't. I know that sounds cliche, but it's very true. You don't have to take everything that I say as law, and you shouldn't take what any person says as law. You should listen to different points of view and then make your own decision based on your own morals and your own priorities in your life. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you. I appreciate you waiting so long for this episode, and I'm so happy to provide it to you. Again, I'm going to plug my marijulietari.com to contact me to buy in South Florida or to sell in South Florida. We also cover Orlando and Tampa. I'm also going to plug my Instagram, marijuliet, my TikTok, marijuliet, and my YouTube, marijuliet, which I will be posting this podcast onto my YouTube. And following this podcast, they will be posted to YouTube and to TikTok. So follow along for some little snippets throughout your day. Have a great one. Move forward with confidence. I believe in you.